Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast... It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm right there in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for, ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? What is up? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 320, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. As apparently we are. We we sound dazzled and entertained, and we just started the podcast. That's a couple of good friends sharing a laugh. It is. It, <laughs> it really is at the end of the day. We got a lot to get into, man. Cowboys and Colts and a rematch of, what was that, Super Bowl Seven. Five. Super Bowl five, when the Colts and the Cowboys met in the Super Bowl. We get the rematch of that all these years later on Sunday Night Football coming up on Sunday night. Got some stuff around the block. College football is happening this week and all kinds of things to dive into. But you need to know about Greening Law. And I say you need to know about Greening Law. It's important because if you were like me and you were hurt in a car accident, maybe you were injured on the premises of a business, you do not want to go through that process yourself. If it wasn't your fault and you were just minding your own business and something out of the blue gets you, you need to make that call to Greening Law. They're a personal injury lawyer, Robert Greening and his staff, the Green Team. I've been working with them now going on, man, what is this, 17 months in my case, building this thing and working together because they are my legal competitor against the insurance companies and they'll do that for you as well. Dude, the reason why you you need to give Greening law call and that that number you guys you probably already know it but in case you've forgotten it's 972-934-8900 the reason why you want to give them a call is one consultation is free because they don't get paid unless you get paid but number two is as matt's told you it's a long process baby and who doesn't want somebody to help them down the path tell you whether to turn left or right to tell you to expect the unexpected what kind of questions you, you need to be prepared for as you're going up against somebody else's big, powerful insurance company. It only makes sense to have a friend, a partner with you. That's what Green and Law does. That is exactly what they do, and they'll take care of you as well. And I'll tell you, man, that consultation being free, that means you think you got a case, give them a call. As a matter of fact, I know I was talking to Robert a couple of weeks ago, and I know that there are a handful of you in our listening audience that have used Greening Law and have had a couple of cases settled and did very well, and, and it really helps you out quite a bit. That could be you. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. The Cowboys and the Colts, man. The old Cowboys and the Colts meeting at AT AT&T Stadium. 
Sunday night football, probably not exactly the matchup that NBC was hoping for. Thought maybe the Colts might be a little bit different, but they're not. And this is a Colts team. And again, we talked about this. The Cowboys are embarking on three consecutive games here that they should win. They are the better team in the next three games. And they're the better team in this game. I mean, it's just that simple. The Cowboys will take the field on Sunday night and they are the better team. Well, then it's just a matter of playing to your potential of going to win. You would think so. I mean, you look at this. The Colts actually have a decent defense. Like, their defense is not some trash thing like their record might indicate. They're 4-7-1. and one. But you look at defensively, they're sixth overall in yards. They're 10th in points. The problem is this offense is god-awful. It's god-awful with Matt Ryan. It was god-awful with Sam Ellinger. It's god-awful again with Matt Ryan. They are 30th in the NFL in points. They average 16 a game. Only Houston and Denver are worse. They have only scored more than 20 points. Again, they're 4-7-1. They've played 12 games. They've only scored more than 20 points twice all year. They put up 34 on Jacksonville and 25 against Vegas. You look at this. This is a team that is one of the worst in the NFL on third downs. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is any like offensive category you want to look at, the Colts are either in the bottom 10, the bottom five, or the bottom three of the NFL. I mean, th- their offense is really down there with what Houston and Denver do offensively. Damn. So they should uh, they shouldn't have very much success offensively. Uh, you know, all they've really got is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the quarterback situation, whether it's Matt Ryan or Sam Ellinger, is not going to scare you these days. And if the Cowboys play their game, man, then they're going to shut these boys down. Yeah, and you look at it, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, who's had a couple of games where he really broke out, those are the only two games this year over 100 yards. And he missed a couple of games. The last time that we saw him against Pittsburgh the other night, in their last two losses, they played Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, 22 for 84 and 20 for 86. And if you're telling me that the Cowboys are going to hold Jonathan Taylor to 20, 22, and 80 yards, I'm taking that. And there, if that's the case, I don't know how Indianapolis wins this game. Nah. I mean, this is one of those games that we talk about all the time, bro. They're not going to win unless you help them. Yeah. It's it's simple as that. You have to give them some turnovers. You have to have some freaky bad plays. That's the only way that they're going to be positioned to win because if they play their best and you play your best, then the Cowboys win. Yeah, and, and I think that's what it is. And, and honestly, even if the Cowboys don't bring their A game, as long as they just play their B game. Like, don't be horrible. This Again, th- there's things that the Cowboys are really good at that the Colts are really, really bad at. Part of that is offensively. I mean, we all know what the Dallas offense has been since Dak has come back. But the other thing about this is the Colts turn the ball over and they turn it over more than anybody in the NFL. They lead the NFL with 21 turnovers. Again, they've played 12 games. In 11 of the 12 games, they have at least one turnover. In seven of their 12 games, they've had turnovers of two or more. So this is a team that not only is their offense not going to score points, not only is it all Jonathan Taylor, they're also going to give you the ball to give you extra possessions. And by the way, the Cowboys, who are pretty solid at taking the ball away. <laughs> um, that's why I say, man, to me, it's not really complicated. It's about will they, um, will they do what they're supposed to do? Will they continue to build on uh, the success that they've had? 
and just go ahead and, and take care of business. And if they do that, then, then good things are going to happen because they're the better team. And when you're the better team, you don't have to you don't have to do anything sneaky, tricky. Tell Kellen Moore, you don't even got to trick it up this week, man. Play good, fun, fundamentally sound football and go win the game. See, it, yeah, and you're right. And, and that becomes like we all know Matt Ryan. This is not Super Bowl era Matt Ryan. This is a Matt Ryan that was so poor and played so poorly this season they benched him for Sam Ellinger. I mean, that, that's the reality of what happened with Matt Ryan this season. It, it's not what they expected when they traded for him to get him out of Atlanta and they got rid of Carson Wentz. But this is a Matt Ryan who is, he so far this season, has thrown 11 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. He has not had a good year whatsoever. This is also a offensive line that has been a sieve. And this is where, again, we just talked about the turnovers. A Colts team, third worst in the NFL in points, that doesn't score, that only has Matt Ryan, that will turn the ball over, and oh, by the way, will let you sack their quarterback whenever you want. They lead <laughs> they lead the league in sacks allowed with 43, going up against a team in the Cowboys that sacked the quarterback more than anybody else in the NFL. The Cowboys have eight more sacks than any other team in the NFL this year. They have 45. That right there, to me, is a combination for a disaster of a game for the Indianapolis Colts. Dude, it's, uh, you know, we talk about it all the time. And, you know, depending on how the conversation goes, you'll see what I'm talking about. When we talk about San Francisco, we talk about uh, it's kind of a bad matchup for Dallas because of their physical style. You, when you talk about the Colts, man, it's really a bad matchup for the Colts. Uh, because the Cowboys have the, have the ability to take advantage of what they do poorly and really just exploit it and make life very difficult for their quarterback. Yeah, they do. And, and, and that's why, to me, when you look at this game, I mean, it, it, I just don't get it. They're coming off somewhat of a short week, obviously, with the Monday night loss at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers. This could get really ugly. I mean, and I say could, it's... Obviously, up to the Cowboys, as we've been talking about, to do something about that. But, man, you look at this, they're going to get multiple sacks, uh, whoever it is. I'm assuming it's going to be Matt Ryan because he played on Monday night. So you got to think it's Matt Ryan's going to be your quarterback. You're going to get multiple sacks on Matt Ryan. He's probably going to turn it over because that's what he has done all season long and what the Colts have done all season long. And I don't know that they have an offense. If the Cowboys get up by double digits or by two scores, I don't know what it is about the Colts offense that leads anybody to believe they can hang around in this thing. The Colts have to win this game by their defense playing out of their mind and the Cowboys offense reverting to back what it was when Cooper Rush was playing and they really struggled to, to break 20 points. I, I just I have a hard time painting that picture, man. Again, it's Jonathan Taylor who's having a really good year. He's almost at 800 yards rushing in nine games. He's averaging about 87 yards a game. But if you can keep him under 100, you take that every day. You know, and they have Michael Pittman Jr. at wide receiver, and he's a solid wide receiver. He's got 739 yards receiving. So as you can tell, he's a guy that gets about seven catches a game for right in the neighborhood of 65 to 70 yards. But Trayvon Diggs will be put on him. He will be eliminated from the Colts' offensive game plan. They have no one else. They don't throw to anybody else. I mean, it, it, it is, you look at this offense, man, it is Michael Pittman Jr. who literally has twice as many targets as anybody else that they throw to. No, I think that the, uh, the way that they can win, the only way that they can win is, um, 
you know, the running back goes off. And I think that's the thing that you that you have to always guard because, yeah, the run defense has been better the last two weeks, but it's still shady. Yeah. And so, you know, as, as long as you keep him under control, keep him in check, and don't allow him to get off and really control the game, it's just going to be very difficult for them to win. Yeah, and, and you look at it, one of the games in which he ran for over 100 yards this year was the first game they played against Houston, who's horrible. I mean, Houston's the worst team in the NFL on both sides of the ball. And the other game is when he had 22 for 147 three weeks ago against the Las Vegas Raiders. Outside of that, again, this is a Jonathan Taylor who has not run for more than 86 yards in any of his other games. And to your point, you know, the Cowboys run defense, you still want to see them continue to show us something. In the games and the way that the offense have gone the last couple of games against Dalvin Cook and the Vikings and last week against Saquon Barkley and the Giants, you didn't probably see the way that those teams were hoping to be able to run the football. But this is another opportunity for the Cowboys offense, I think, to get out ahead and kind of force the Colts hand here and and make it to where you almost have to start throwing the ball a little bit more. That way, you, you, yeah. you don't fear you don't fear Jonathan Taylor keeping you in this game, running off some chunk yardage like we have seen some teams do to the Cowboys earlier this season. No, that's um, you're exactly right, and that's what that's what your goal is every week. And against some teams, it's even more incumbent that you do that than others. And this would be one of those games where you put that doubt in their mind early, and you get off to a fast start offensively, and you make them go away from what they want to do. And if you can do that, man, then it's all good, bro. But, again, you just got to do it. Uh, the offense has been playing pretty well right now, so they, you would think that they're in a the position to do it. You just got to come out and execute. Yeah, they've, man. Had ten, they've had 10 days off, bro, so it's ain't no excuses. It's time. Yeah, and I, I, I just – it's obviously the NFL, and anything can happen in any given week. But like you said, and, and that's all you – because nobody anticipates that, oh, the Colts are going to play out of their minds and the Cowboys will play really crappy. All you can think of is if the Colts play their best game and the Cowboys play their best game, Dallas is going to win this game. And so that's the thing. We don't know which version of either team is going to show up. So I kind of usually go with the assumption of Cowboys will play a good game. The Colts will play a good game and the Colts aren't as good as the Cowboys. I, I, I don't know. You know, is Dak going to give him a couple of picks? Is he going to force a couple of those passes that we have seen? You got to stay away from that. I, I, I'd really like them to kind of do what they did against Minnesota where Dak wasn't, <laughs> Dak was, well, you know, where Dak wasn't forcing those passes, where he didn't right. see, he didn't try to do more than what he did. And it felt like in the Minnesota game that that's one of the reasons why the offense clicked so well is because they didn't take a lot of those chances and those risks on some of those balls further down the field. He just kind of took what was available to him and took all those check downs. And then last week, a couple of times, like the back shoulder pass to Michael Gallup, it looked like he was expecting Gallup to do something a little bit different or adjust his route or something. And then, you know, those those deep passes that he throws over the middle of the CD, it's like at what point of the season do you realize maybe I should stop trying to force that ball down there because time and time again this season, we've seen the opposition read that route and CD either isn't running it right or Dak isn't throwing it when he's supposed to and they turn into interception. And we have lost Jacques. Oh, Jacques muted himself. He's back. No, he muted himself again. Now he's back. Well, well you know, I still got a cold, so I was coughing. Oh, okay. Was not, not to disturb y'all. Well, thank uh, you for that. Because it's one of those nasty phlegm coughs. Oh, yeah, those are the worst. It only happens probably four or five times a day now as opposed to 20. So, uh, But still, 
I didn't want to give you guys that. Well, thanks. Um, <laughs> no, I think we have reached that point in the season where, yeah, yo, Dak, uh, don't trust him on those passes. You know, you got to give him a pass on the um, the interception on the sideline because they thought they had a free play. And typically on those free plays, you go vertical, not down the sideline. And then you also got to make sure that, yes, the flag actually <laughs> yeah, come, yeah, yeah. come out. Uh, but that's an unusual. As long as I've been playing football, I haven't seen that one where you thought it was a free play. The lineman didn't block. You threw it out and it got intercepted. Yeah, that was a weird one. But, you know, all in all, again, the Cowboys are a better team. I, I'm going to – I'm just going to give everybody a heads up. I'm picking the Cowboys to win in each of the next three games. Barring wow. some sort of unforeseen injury or something, they are better than the Colts. Every team in the NFL is better than the Texans. And they are better than the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Then we'll get to that game Christmas Eve against Philadelphia and we'll reassess and see where we're at. I think that the Cowboys, again, the Colts' defense is solid. They have a solid defense. As a matter of fact, when you look at this, they have yet to allow anybody that they have played to, the Colts, that is, to crack more than 27 points. That is the most points they've given up all year is 27. Generally speaking, teams are kind of right in that 17 to 24 range. And the Cowboys' offense has been clicking, but this is a solid Colts' defense. I'm going to give the Cowboys the win here. And, and the Colts offense is just so bad going up against this pass rush, this defense that can take the ball away. I'm going to take the Cowboys in this one, 24 to 10. Oh, wow. Well, I'm going up a little higher than you. I'm going against one of my rules. And one of my rules is I typically don't pick a team with, with a, uh, more than a 10 and a half, with more than a 10 point spread to cover. Because it's just, even though you're like, well, no, one team's really better. It's just hard to beat a team by yeah. a couple of touchdowns in the NFL. Well, the Cowboys are nine and a half point favorites. And I'm actually picking them to cover, which is very, very, very rare for me. Uh, so, I am picking your Dallas Cowboys. 31, the Indianapolis Colts, nine. Wow. that I mean, that is a thumping right there. 31 to nine. And I'm assuming, what is that, three field goals for the Colts? There it is. Keeping them out of the end zone completely. They're capable of it. Part of me, man, see, now I wish I was more bold and ballsy because part of me thinks that we're about to see that type of game. No, for real, because I just, I don't, I don't know what the Colts are going to be able to do to hang with this Dallas Cowboys team. You know, this isn't the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, the Cowboys are a good football team. They're one of the best football teams in the NFC. And, you know, I think you can take... And we went, we did this with Arch the other day. You can take them, and if you want to, th- obviously the Eagles, and if you want to throw in the 49ers and the Vikings, those are probably the four best teams in the NFC. I would put the Cowboys, I mean, they thumped the Vikings. They're one of the three best teams in the NFC right now. Can that change by the time the end of the season comes around? Sure. But right now, I would put them up there as one of the three best teams in the NFC with a legitimate chance to make a run in the playoffs. But I would not put the Colts as one of the three best teams in the AFC. I wouldn't put the Colts as one of the 10 best teams in the AFC. So to no. me, th- this is a game. I, I just, Cowboys are going to win this game, and I think they're going to control it and, and win it fairly easily. No, and that's why I picked the rare blowout. I mean, I very rarely pick a blowout because, yeah. again, NFL is just hard to win. But, you know, I think the 10 days off and the energy means something. I think that this team, unlike last team, which to me was on its heels at the end because they were 
losing to good teams and blowing out bad teams. But my God, they were blowing out bad teams. And they have shown, if you look at the scores, man, they've really shown a propensity for taking care of business against bad teams. Um, when they get them down, they tend to blow them out. And so I think that uh, they'll start fast with the 10 days off. The Colts, Colts have a short week and they're traveling. It's just kind of set up to me to be a Dallas blowout. So there we have it. Both of us have the Cowboys winning. That would move them to 9-3 and three after a Sunday night football win. And then, of course, you'd gear up and get ready for Houston coming up next. And then after Houston is Jacksonville. As we, I mean, everybody, I feel like we're all just waiting to get to Christmas Eve for that, that Christmas Eve afternoon game against Philadelphia that is probably going to be pretty damn awesome. But first things first, go out and beat the Colts on Sunday night football. Also, first things first for you, I hope you had a chance to order your bruise bill tongue. We're approaching, as all of you know, the holiday season is upon us. I keep mentioning this because I want to get it in your head. Bruise bill tongue makes a wonderful stocking stuffer. It's a great snack. The two-ounce bags are only 240 calories and 30 grams of protein per bag. It's tender. It's savory. And if you've got a beef jerky lover in your family, you need to introduce them to Bruce Biltong. Say, hey, this Bruce Biltong blows away any beef jerky you've ever had. It's more savory. It's more tender. It's fantastic. And you're going to love it. So go order it at BruceBiltong.com. No, it's it's great. And, uh, you know, Matt and I have been sold on it from the beginning because we both like beef jerky. But this this is something completely different. And that, to me, is the winner. It's something that your mouth doesn't expect. Uh, sliced biltong is the way to go, man. Although, and we've been telling you this, the slab is making a, a strong move to the top now. Because then you've got to cut it a little thicker. Uh, you know, you can more have it your way, the yeah. way you want it. Uh, but either way, it's it's delicious. And what I love, man... It's a great snack, and it doesn't get in your teeth because it's not that chewy. It's, it's You just got to taste it and try it, and you'll figure out exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, you do. You really need to. If you've ever enjoyed beef jerky in your life, you need to order Bruce Biltong because I think it'll blow you away. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, Bruce Biltong online. Use that promo code JAM15, J-A-M-15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your order. Also, of course, podcast made possible by JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop. If you're looking for that end-of-year tune-up, you need an oil change, state inspection, you need new tires, whatever it is, we found the mechanic that you can trust. No matter where you are in the DFW area, you can go over to Freeway Tire Shop and you finally will pull in and you won't feel like you're about to get ripped off or lied to because this guy is going to shoot you straight and stand behind the work that he does. Doesn't really get any better than that, man. Uh, I rock with JR, and I, I suggest you rock with him, too, for, for one reason, man. Much like you want a doctor you can trust, JR is a mechanic you can trust. It does, And that ain't always the case. But um, I take my cars to him, vehicles if you were, because I trust him to diagnose the issue, man, and I trust him to use quality parts to fix whatever the issue is. And then I trust him to give me a fair price. Is that really too much to ask in today's world? And then I trust the man to stand behind his work. You find somebody who can do those four things, then you rock with him. I do it with JR, and so I rock with him. Uh, he's about five minutes from downtown. He's right up 35 North, get off of Commonwealth, through the light on the right. You cannot miss it. Huge sign that says Freeway Tire. Tell me your boys from Jan Session sent you, and uh, you can thank us later. Trust me. You it's, it's the truth, man, and it is the way to do it. You can make it happen. 
easily at freewaytireshop.com where you can request a quote, schedule your appointment. So we got to take this trip around the block, a couple of things to get into. And I had brought this up on the last podcast. I mentioned, I was curious if anybody had seen that show called Wednesday on Netflix, which is the Adams Family spinoff with Tim Burton and all that. Right. So season one is eight episodes and we have gotten about halfway through it. And I got to tell you, I'll be, uh, this is true. This it's halfway through the first episode. I looked at the lady and I said, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I, I'm, I might be out on this. I'm not feeling it. Yeah. And she was like, really? I was like, yeah. I was like this just, and it is, it's, it's, it's very dry, dark comedy humor because I mean, the character of Wednesday Adams, if you know the character, that's how she is. And this whole thing is about her. But the problem is, is it comes across like a CW old WB type show with a little bit of it, it feels like they're going for a younger audience. And when I say younger audience, I mean, almost like a teenager high school audience. Oh, like it, yeah. And so the first episode, I was like, man, I just this this has got a little too much. Maybe I don't know how you would describe like like teenage cheese for me or I feel like I'm not quite in this audience. Right, Problem right, right. is, I was like, all right, well, let's finish the first episode. And at the end of the first episode, really what this is, it's a murder mystery. It just they're just using the Wednesday Adams character to solve this murder mystery. And I got into the murder mystery part of it. All right. Like it, it still gives me that that kind of this should be on, you know, it, it's it's too dark for the Disney Channel, but kind of that, you know, hokey kind of teenage they say words and stuff. I don't even know what they mean because I'm not 15. Right, right, right. But I mean, again, she's in high school. She's supposed to be 16 years old in the show. And so it, it, I don't know, there's something about it. And we, we keep going through it. Now we're four episodes in and I was like, well, now I want to know what happens. Like, I want to know what, what, how it turns out. I will say the girl who plays Wednesday Adams is fantastic her deadpan and the way she delivers the lines and her lines are really, I mean, there's a lot of humor in them where, I mean, she just, she will just blatantly tell people exactly what's up without <laughs> any filter or any fear of what they may think about her or any of that. Well, and there's something to be said for that. There is. And, and that's, you know, there, there are some really funny lines that are kind of like that, you know, like for instance, they're about to go down this really dark cave and she looks at the person who's with her and she goes, I'll go first. If you hear if you hear me screaming bloody murder, if you hear me screaming bloody murder, I'm probably enjoying it. And she's serious, you know, like it's that kind of dryness. Right, right, right. You know, so it, I mean, there's just other things like I, it's I don't know. Her lines are really clever and really quick, but some of the characters around that it, it's got a little too much teenage cheese. But God, the murder mystery part, I want to know who did it. I'm trying to figure it out. I can't figure it out who the hell is the person killing these people. Hmm. So if you're into murder mysteries, I mean, this isn't Knives Out now. You know, Knives Out, I don't know if you saw that with Daniel no. Craig. No, came, I did not. Came out like a couple, three, four years ago or whatever. That was a really, really well done, like almost clue level murder mystery. And this is more like a dark Adam's fan, family version of a teenage murder mystery. Okay. And I got to tell you, if it was 12 episodes in the first season, I would, I'd been like, I'm not, nah. But eight episodes, I was like, eh, eight episodes is all right. We can knock this out quick. 
because all the episodes are like 45 minutes, you know, right around in that realm. So it's not too bad. They're not full hours. So that's that's my review of Wednesday on Netflix. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. All right. So the other thing, and I sent you this article because I was like, man. And obviously, I am not living in Dallas anymore. And I know you don't spend a lot of time in Dallas, but you also are in Dallas quite a bit. As a matter of fact, I haven't been to Dallas since June. It's been over six months since I've been to Dallas. Damn, has it been that long? It has been, which is crazy. And I'll be coming at the end of the month, you know, Christmas. I'll be there for a few days. But I came across this article in the Dallas Morning News. And it's wild because for the first time since they started doing this study, Texas A&M has a transportation institute. And they do all sorts of studies of the roadways and whatnot in Texas and all that type of thing. Well, they released its rankings of the 100 most congested roadways in Texas. And Dallas-Fort Worth has 37 of the most congested roads in the state ahead of Austin, San Antonio, and even Houston. And it's the first time since this Texas A&M Transportation Institution started ranking this stuff. It's the first time that Dallas has out-trafficked Houston. Sadly, my brother, I'm not even surprised, man. Really? So it, you can notice that it's gotten that that bad? Oh, my God. Dallas traffic is awful. Now, you got to understand, it used to be normal traffic, which is, you know, it starts around 4 o'clock, goes to about 6 o'clock, 6.30. It's good to go. Man, rush hour traffic in Dallas right now is probably 3 o'clock, 3.15 at the latest. And it's just insane, man. I don't even like driving anymore. Uh, I try to get in and out before the rush hour. Yeah. Because it's, just, it's just crazy, and it doesn't matter which highway, because, you know, I'm from Dallas. I know them all. <laughs> I can maneuver with the best of them. Uh, really, I can. Um, and this is no good way to go, man. Apparently not. And, and so Houston still has the most congested stretch of road in Texas, but Dallas has more congestion. And I, I'm not very familiar with Houston, but apparently they have a stretch of road. It's the West Loop near the Galleria and Memorial Park. For those of you that are familiar with Houston, that's the most congested stretch of road in Texas. The next one is Woodall Rogers. Yes, it's and, a joke. I mean, anybody who's ever been on Woodall Rogers that thing that whole area is just a colossal nightmare and it's always congested for no reason almost pretty much any time of the day number three in the state and all of us that have ever been down to austin know this it has not changed since i first started driving myself down into that area when i was going to college in san marcus in 1999 that stretch of i-35 right there going through downtown austin yeah there's no reason for it there never has been a reason for it It'll be bumper to bumper at 3 a.m. It'll be even worse, obviously, during rush hour times. It has been that way as long as I can remember having ever driven down in the Austin area. Yeah, no good way. No good reason, bro. No good reason. And it is really, really weird. I mean, it is very, very strange, man. So one of the other ones, trying to see here, number one of the ones over in Fort Worth is I-35 between 183 and I-30 over there in Tarrant County. And then another one of the most congested ones in Dallas County is I-345 between 75 and 175. Yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just all bad, man. It's, there's not a lot of good routes to take uh, if, you're, if you're in the middle of rush hour. 
I mean, it's just not. There used to be, but there's not. The best you can do is if you understand streets. Uh, and yes, streets existed before highways. And so, yes, you can still get to from Oak Cliff to North Dallas without getting on the highway if you yeah. know how to do it. Uh, then, then the best route is to take a variety of streets, which, uh, yeah, you got more lights, but you'll be moving much faster. And I will tell you this, in the, in the top 20, just in the top 20 most congested stretches in, in the state of Texas, four of them are on LBJ. <laughs> Which, I mean, anybody, I tell people all the time when they go and visit, like people from around here, they're like, hey, what should we do in Dallas? And I always, I'll tell them some things that go, and then just word of warning, do not get on LBJ 635. Just don't get on it. No, if you can avoid 635 at all costs, do what you can to avoid it because it will bring you nothing but misery. Yeah, I mean, that is an, that four different stretches on 635 rank in the top 20 in the state for the most congested stretches of highway in the entire state. That's just, I mean, that's on a different planet, man. And this is with all the, the uh, express roads and all yeah. this other stuff. There's just no way, no good way around it. I know, that's the thing. Like when we used to live there, I was like, okay, so how much is my time worth today? Because I can spend an hour and a half on LBJ, or I can get where I want to go in half that time, but it's going to cost me $15. Yeah, dude, it's no good choices. No, it isn't. I mean, it's, it's insane. And I don't know what the, I don't know how you relieve this because, I mean, at some point they're going to have to start building more like what they did with LBJ and actually start double decking stuff. I think like you're, you're going to have to either build tunnels or build another roadway on top of the roadways that exist because more and more people are moving and they're only you can only expand width so much now this is true but but you know that's all that's all good it won't be done in our lifetime bro no no it won't be done in our lifetime <laughs> so it don't even matter we're hosed no i remember and this is how wild stuff like that is because i remember being in high school and that is when they first developed the plans for bush and I remember seeing that eventually, and I, I can't remember, I was probably, it was probably right around the time I, st I first started driving in 1995. And the morning news had an article and they said the proposal for what Bush would be basically as a further north loop, essentially, than LBJ. And that by the year 20, whatever, it'll come all the way out into the Rockwell area on the other side of Lake Ray Hubbard, where it would connect with 30. And I remember thinking, man, how old and then that day came because it was like i forget how long it's been now but i remember the day they opened up that stretch of bush from firewheel all the way down to 30 and i i drove on it the first day it was open because i was like oh my god i remember reading about this in high school like 20 something years ago <laughs> i mean maddox was alive so it had to have been well maybe he wasn't alive maybe this was right around the time he was born i bet that section of bush has only been open like 10 to 12 years you might be right. You know, I lose track of time. Yeah, because I, I think it was something like that. Because, I mean, you know, imagine like in 1995, 96, reading about something that is going to make getting to where you live a lot easier by the year 2010. Yeah. And you're like, Which damn. Just, yeah, that ain't going to do me no good. That seems like forever away. Yeah. And then when it gets here, you're like, holy cow. So I don't know what the solution is. I think it's funny here because people here think there's traffic and there there isn't. You know, I get why they think that, and I understand it because I'm in it sometimes, and it's kind of funny because rush hour traffic here, like the worst that it ever gets, is you're, you're still going at least 10 to 15 miles per hour. Like, you're never just sitting there. 
Right, right, right. Unless there's a wreck. I mean, if, if there's a wreck that shuts down the roads, that's totally different. But it, like, I try to explain to people, like, no, no, no. Like there's congestion in Dallas, but there's no wreck. Like you're just sitting there because there's too many people. Like you will sit in the same spot for chunks at a time. Like traffic here, you're always moving. You're at least moving. I was like, that's not really traffic. <laughs> right. No, it's not because traffic is when you can be on your phone because there's literally nothing going right. on. Right. And, and, and there's, it's, you're just going to sit there and you know it's going to take forever. Like the worst that traffic ever gets here, it might add an extra 10 minutes to where you're trying to get. Not an extra 30 minutes or an extra 45 or an extra hour like it will in the DFW area. It's just different. And it's funny because, I mean, we all know this, how spread out and how long it can take to get around Dallas. I mean, hell, when I lived in Dallas, I was living in Irving. If I wanted to go see my parents living out in the Rockwall area, that was about uh, about an hour drive. Just, you know, you might run into some traffic going through downtown and Jim, just the distance that it took. Or if I wanted to go see my brother and his wife over there in Carrollton, you know, it could take 30, 35 minutes, depending on traffic. Here, if you do not live within 20 minutes of somebody, they think you live like in a different state. Because <laughs> we'll invite people like, where do you guys live? Oh, we live out in Irondale. Like, ah, oh, it's like, yeah, it's 20 minutes from y'all. I don't, I mean, that's mm, 20 minutes, huh? That's, that's kind of far. I'm like, what? No, it isn't. <laughs> So we, I mean, this is true. Like we end up going and visiting people that we know way more than they come to us. Cause to, to me, I'm like, I mean, 25 minutes away, that's nothing. Yeah. Like literally it's nothing. I mean, I can go from here to Tuscaloosa in quicker amount of time than I, I could go from where we used to live to my parents' house. Wow. You know, so like, that's how it is. And, and what's wild is and here, I think this is a big, I notice this when we drive through places I think for whatever reason that time passes easier when you're driving through large cities and there's all kinds of stuff to look at because you could drive from Irving to Rockwall and it doesn't feel like you're driving for an hour. If you drive from where I live in Birmingham to Tuscaloosa, it's about the same distance, but it feels like you've been on the road forever because it's mainly forest the entire way. Damn. And you yeah, just, you there's just nothing to look at. Right, right, right. And I don't know what it is about that, but you're just like, man, I feel like we've been staring at these damn trees for, you know, for, exactly. And that's the worst part. Like I would much rather, you know, if you got to take a big road trip and you got to go through a city, as long as you're not running into the rush hour. And, and, and I know that that can be a pain in the ass, but man, going from one end of Dallas, Fort Worth to the other, and it takes you two, two and a half hours. I would take that every day over going from Birmingham to Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> Because that is, I mean, I'm telling you, dude, that stretch of road from Birmingham to Meridian, Mississippi, has got to be one of the just most boring stretches of highway in the country. So there ain't nothing. There I mean, no unless cities. you unless you really like trees. Okay, but so what you're saying is there's no there's no cities like no, you know, like you know, the Dallas to to Jackson is six hours, but. You know, basically, you got Longview, that's like an hour, and then you got Tyler, and then you got uh, Marshall, and then you got Shreveport, and then you got Monroe, and then you got Vicksburg, and then you, it's like every hour you got something coming up, and it just kind of feels like, oh, okay, so I'm, I'm you know, I'm making ground, I'm making moves, uh, so it's really not that bad. Uh, that drive from Jackson to Houston was something else, though. That was awful. 
Yeah, see, and that that's where you start going like that. And, and part of the problem is like when you get into, and, and quite honestly, I mean, on the way to Atlanta from here, there's nothing. And I can get to Atlanta from where I live in about an hour and 45 minutes from my driveway to smack dab downtown Atlanta. And, you know, it, it's it's wild when you start driving west from Birmingham, you're like, oh, here's Tuscaloosa. You'll drive through Tuscaloosa in probably about five minutes or less. Damn. Like, it's just, there's nothing there. It's just, and then after Tuscaloosa, yeah, after Tuscaloosa, the next thing that you would drive through other than like, oh, there's a gas station on the side of the road is Meridian. There's literally nothing in between Tuscaloosa and Meridian except forest and little, you know, rinky-dink towns that nobody's ever heard of that might have a gas station. <laughs> that man said might have a gas station. <laughs> I'm serious, man. Like, I don't know. There's stretches of highway that you can drive on you know, that are just like, and I know like a lot of people, West Texas, yes, I get it. There are stretches of highway out in West Texas that are just horrible and there's not even trees to look at. You know, Kansas, I remember driving through Kansas and that had to be one of the most boring stretches of highway of all time because you're basically just looking at what looks like wheat or some shit the entire way through the state. <laughs> you know, it's like at least once you get West, there's mountains and stuff to look at. True that. And that's kind of fun. And, and, I don't know. I mean, it's there's just something about the monotonous drive with no city that can be a true beating. And I know because I make that drive all the time and I'm about to make it again at the end of at the end of December when we go on our annual massive Christmas road trip circumnavigating the entire southeast. It feels like <laughs> and to some degree, there's a lot of truth to that. But traffic is, I will say, I am kind of glad that I experienced traffic in a massive city like DFW because now I can handle. Yes. It, it, like anywhere else you go, you can handle traffic. You can handle drivers. You know how to drive. You can handle yourself in so many different situations on the roadways, you know, that you can see other drivers get scared of or are afraid of because they just have never driven in situations like that. And in DFW, we run into that stuff five times a day. Yeah, no joke, bro. It's a, uh, it's an adventure. I feel the same way, you know, like when you're driving around Jackson, their rush hour is not what you would consider real yeah. rush hour. Yeah, they're, they're, it doesn't exist. No, and so you're not precluded from doing something at 5.30 just because you're like, oh, well, here's rush hour. Yeah, so now it may take you 15 minutes instead of 10 or 20 minutes instead of 15. By the way, I, I, I keep forgetting you spend all that time out there. Have you been to Cock of the Walk yet? You know, I have not. Dude, you have got to, at some point, and I don't know, I don't know exactly where in Jackson you're staying because it's in Ridgeland. It's over there. It's, 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 I, I just told you we're in Jackson, bro. You can get to Ridgeland up 55 north in about, 15 minutes okay yeah so because you you would go 55 north and then you would take the natchez trace parkway when you get up there and cock of the walk is up there on the ross barnett reservoir like literally right on it like right on the shore and all right man you the fried catfish there i'm telling you the you cornbread the greens dude i may um i may go tonight man you yeah go and check it out because i mean we have literally made now to be fair the lady friend's grandma used to live in, in the Ridgeland Madison area. So we would stop and go out of our way to go to cock of the walk because I am telling you the catfish, the greens, the cornbread and the coleslaw are freaking awesome. Catfish. catfish. The cat, the, yes. The catfish, the greens, the cornbread the greens. and the coleslaw. 
the cornbread, the coleslaw. Yeah, and it's family style. You know, I mean, mm. you you can choose how you order it, but like the the sides are served kind of family style. So there's enough. I mean, you could you know, yeah, invite bro. some friends or whatever. Yeah, that might be the play. I'm telling that you, might man. Be the play. Cock of the walk is legit. I want it right now. <laughs> It's so good, and it's right there on the reservoir, so it's a cool view overlooking the reservoir and all that. All right. You yeah. may have sold me. I'm telling you. Check it out, and then you'll you'll thank me later. Oh, they got fried pickles, too. Yes, they do have fried pickles. That's right, and those are really good. You know, I try to, I try to stay away from those, but yeah, I allow I, myself I, to indulge every now and then. I'm the same way, and, and when we went and we got the fried pickles, I just ate a few, but they're really, really good. The catfish, I mean, my God, the catfish is good. I mean, you know, I mean. Okay, you didn't, you didn't mention the catfish about three times. Now. I'm just telling you, it's really good catfish. And the cornbread right. is phenomenal. But you got to make sure they give you fresh cornbread. Don't let them try and rip you off and be, you know, you, they put it out there. And you're like, ah, oh, this doesn't seem fresh. Okay. And the greens, man. Right off the, I want it right off the stove cornbread. That's All what right, I'm saying. Right, yeah, right. like, you know, be like, hey, make sure. Come on now. Don't, don't cheapen okay. me here. All right. I'm going to try to go today. If I don't go today, I'll go very soon. Yeah, just put it on the list because I think you'll really enjoy it. All right. I remember you saying that. Then I haven't thought anything else about it. Yeah. Plus, what a great name. Cock of the Walk. Yes. <laughs> it's hard not to forget about that. You know, that's, that's the, the big rooster. You know, the big, the big rooster. Hey, look at me. I'm strutting my stuff. He's the cock of the walk, you know. Yeah. You call yours what you call yours. I'll call mine what I call mine. That's, that's how we do it, man. <laughs> that's how we do it. So we, we'll, we'll move forward with that. <laughs> and I'll tell you this. If you guys are in the DFW area, and, and we've talked about this, but that summer that was experienced earlier this year with the insane heat and the drought, so many people are now experiencing foundation problems. And you go, well, how do I know? Well, have you seen new cracks that weren't there before in your walls, your ceiling? Are the floors kind of sloped? Are you noticing some sticking doors? Those are signs that you may have a foundation problem. That's why you need to give our guy Aaron and his guys a call at HFX Foundation Solutions. They'll come out. It's a free, no obligation inspection. And I will tell you that is one of the best things that you can do because catching foundation issues early are going to save you thousands of dollars down the road. Nah, man, I think uh, that we all know that the, the weather this summer was awful in terms of heat and then in terms of rain. And that's the kind of stuff that's a recipe for a messing with your foundation. So what you want to do is call Aaron or, and his team over there at HFX and say, hey, can we get a colonoscopy for my crib? And he'll start laughing. But then, yeah, they'll hook you up. And what it is, is it's just a once over, man. You know, colonoscopy for your body is just a once over. Give you peace of mind. Everything's good and working properly. Colonoscopy for your crib is the same exact thing. That's they true. Get to once, they get cribbed once over, man. Yeah. Make sure everything's working properly. And if they do find something, I, I, I got to tell you, chances are you find it early rather than late. Cost you a fraction of the cost to get it fixed. And then you, too, can have that peace of mind. It's that easy. He's local. Give him a call. 817-770-0174. Or online. Check him out at hfxfoundation.com. Also, of course, Smokey John's Barbecue, man. It does not get better than Smokey John's Barbecue. I was making your mouth water telling you about a, a place that only exists in one little place in Mississippi. Smokey John's Barbecue is just like that. It only exists in one place, smack dab in Dallas, Texas. So all of you living around the area, you get an opportunity to go and enjoy, if you'd like, the Jam Session Bowl. It's not even on the menu. 
They'll make it just for you. They also have catfish too, you know, at Smokey John's Barbecue because they have, it's not on the menu, it's called the Steve White and their catfish is fantastic as well. So I am telling you, if you are in the mood and even if you're not, you need to get yourself over to Smokey John's Barbecue and enjoy either the jam session bowl, find something on the menu you want, bring your family, bring your friends and enjoy the best barbecue in the DFW area. No, Smokey John's phenomenal, man. Uh, we love everything on the menu. There's nothing bad on the menu. Everything is either great or fantastic. I mean, pick your adjective. And uh, it's, for us, it always starts with the Jam Session Bowl, man. And, and that's your choice of a base of mac and cheese or mashed potatoes, man. And then two of the five smoked meats they pour it on there. I Y'all know I like to rock with the brisket and the sausage. And then, bro, they hook it up like a loaded baked potato with sour cream, with chives, with bacon bits, with butter. They drizzle that sauce on it, and it is, it is something to die for. Mm, it's Delicious. so delicious. Uh, it feeds too easily if you got a kid, you know, like five or six age. All three of y'all can eat off the same bowl. Um, and you're going to have some leftovers. It's just the two of you. It's a lot of food, man. It is fantasimo. You're going to love it. It's Smokey John's Barbecue right there on Mockingbird in between 35 and Love Field. So check them out. So I wanted to, to see if you, I'm sure you've seen this. UAB, where I live in Birmingham, that's University of Alabama at Birmingham. They have a football program. They're the UAB Blazers. They play in a brand new stadium that just celebrated their, what, second year of all time. They, uh, their, their coach, Bill Clark, who had been with them for years, stepped down before the season because he was having uh, a, a spinal fusion and was stepped down for health reasons. So all season, UAB has had a job with an interim coach and they've been looking for a new head coach. Right. I probably could have made a list of 100 names that might get the UAB head coaching job. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I seriously do not know in my wildest imaginations, in my longest list, that Trent Dilfer's name would have been on that list. And Trent Dilfer is the new head coach at UAB. Now, he has been doing some coaching. Uh, at the high school level in a high school in Nashville. This really sounds like the Dion effect to me, bro. It must be because, again, for those that don't know, Trent Dilfer has never, ever in any capacity whatsoever coached college football or in the NFL. His highest level of coaching, he has spent the last four years as the head coach of Lipscomb Academy in Nashville. And to be fair, has turned him into a national power. And they are playing for another state championship. Uh, maybe they already played, but it, uh, maybe it's this weekend. I can't remember. And they hired that dude who has never in his life recruited and has never in his life coached at the collegiate level at all. Now, they, now they probably hired him. Uh, because of his success at the high school level. And he played a big part of those Elite 11 quarterback camps. And so he feels like he can go get him a quarterback because he's got relationships with quarterbacks. And if you have a quarterback, you can get other people to come. But having been um, intimately close to a college football program that's undefeated this year, let me just say that coaching is like on the list of things you do on a daily basis. <laughs> it's like 50th because there's so many other things to do, man, in terms of, uh, you know, how you, how you manage the roster, how you manage injuries. And I'll, I'll tell you a little snippet, even stuff like this, where you have to say, Hey, Matt, you're hanging around with Taylor a lot. Um, you need to stop that, man. Taylor's not good for you. 
his habits, I don't want them rubbing off on you. So that's a relationship that, yeah, he's your teammate, he's your brother on, on the team, but you, you need to cut that relationship down and pretty much uh, sever it however you need to do it. That's just a snippet of what head coaches got to do on a daily basis. You have to be so in tune with your team that you can see that Taylor's being a bad influence on Matt and say, hey, let's cut that relationship out, Matt, because Taylor's about to graduate. He's been an underachiever his whole time here. You, your future's bright. You're a top, you know, 300 recruit, and you need to maximize your skills. That's just one conversation during one day. That ain't got nothing to do with coaching the team per se. And that's what coaches do all day, every day. But multiply that times about 20, bro. Mm. <laughs> it's a, it is a wild job. And uh, now that I've seen it up close and personal, it's just crazy, man. Yeah, and it, it, it's interesting because I listened to his entire introductory press conference the other day. And, it, it, I mean, it, it was very – he came across as very real. And again, he even he even addressed it before anybody could ask him. He goes, as far as recruiting goes, no, I, I've never recruited at an elite level because I I'm not going to sit up here and lie to you and, and tell you I know how to recruit because that'd be crap. That's a lie. And I don't. But I'm going to hire people that, that know how to do it and have done it really well in the past. And I'll tell you, I will learn and we will learn very quickly how to recruit at an elite level. And he just he offered up some really interesting thoughts and, you know, kind of like what it. In, in my conversations with you about Dion, his focus on the student athlete and being all about the student athlete. And you, you heard a lot of that from Dilfer in his press conference about how it's all about the student athlete and, and how do you make them a, in, you know, he describes the different things in different ways and how do you help them and learn how to serve and leave your community better than how you found that it's about the student athlete and kind of what you just said. I mean, he almost mentioned that like the coaching part and those types of things come after you get the student athlete taken care of and, and that type of thing. So we'll see. I'm excited about it because he's a very prominent name and UAB is very close partners with the station that I work for. And so I'm, I'm, I would imagine I'll have an opportunity to really have some good conversations with him. I already put in my request to, to have him on the show as soon as possible. And, you know, once they clear and, and start getting into a little bit more of a slow period for him, you know, hey, man, come up to the studio. Let's sit and just chat for an hour. And UAB right. usually jumps all over opportunities like that because they, they are fighting for attention in SEC country in a state dominated by Alabama and Auburn. Right. So we'll see. But, it, man, I just thought we have seen some really out-of-the-box hires. You know, Jeff Saturday. And the whole thing about Trent Dilfer, I mean, it is very, very, very rare and as a matter of fact, I couldn't find anybody that has as little coaching experience as he has making the jump to a college program of this nature, being in a, a prominent group of five program. You got to go back like Jerry Faust, who was the Notre Dame head coach in the early 80s. Right. They hired him from he, I think people forget this. They hired a high school coach at Notre Dame who had never coached anywhere outside of a high school. And he was the head football coach at Notre Dame in the early 80s. But he had been coaching in high school for like 18 years. Yeah. You know, Todd Dodge, remember him over there at, at South Lake Carroll? Todd Dodge yep. left South Lake Carroll, went directly straight to North Texas with zero college coaching experience. But he had been coaching high school football at a high level in Texas for, you know, whatever it was, 10, 12 years or something. So this will be interesting. This will be, you know, guy. the guy won a Super Bowl. He, he's, he was a Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Ravens in 2000 and and... 
spent time with Tony Dungy and Mike Holmgren during his playing career. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It, it is kind of the Dion effect, isn't it? Like that outside the box. This is a dude who knows how to win and has won at different levels. And you give an opportunity for that person who's passionate about the student athlete to see how it's going to turn out. And I think you're right. I, I, I think since Dion is having such success doing that, they're starting to turn and look for other people that kind of fit that mold to a degree. Yeah, they are. You just got to make sure that those people are committed. Um, that, and, that, and when I say committed, it's committed to the whole thing because I just told you the coaching on Saturday is like the, the – yeah the thing you spend the least amount of time doing. It's all the other stuff that you got to do so that you can win on Saturday. It's a uh, it's a never-ending job, bro. So the other things with college football, of course, you have the conference title games this weekend coming up. It, it, it's at this point with the way that the playoff is set up, it would be really surprising. I, I don't see TCU losing to K-State. It could happen, but it just feels like TCU is a team of destiny to at least get to the playoff. And Utah beat USC earlier this year on a two-point conversion at the end of the game. I think USC is going to win the rematch. And if that were to happen, then we're going to get Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC in in the playoffs. And you would have Georgia and USC in one and TCU and Michigan in the other. Things could change. There's still a chance for your guys. Ohio State needs help. If USC loses, if Utah beats USC, Ohio State will be in the playoff. That'll happen immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you need to be rooting hardcore for Utah. No, nah, I don't, because I don't think we deserve to be in this. Right. So I'm not rooting for him. Fair enough. The, the Alabama I'll thing. I'll take it, but I ain't going to root for him. Alabama would need a miracle, because I, I don't know that even if TCU loses, that they would at this point be left out, but they might. That being said, man, I, I just I don't know what to make of any of these games. It, 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 Michigan, Purdue. I mean, this is why I'm so happy that conferences are getting rid of divisions. Can you imagine that, though? Because if there were no divisions in the Big Ten this year, Michigan and Ohio State would be playing each other again this weekend for the Big Ten title. Oh, now that would be a war. Yeah. And, you know, Georgia and Tennessee would be playing each other instead. That's why USC and Utah are playing each other, because the Pac-12 got rid of divisions this year. Oh, okay. So it's actually the top two teams in their conference instead of frickin' Purdue, who's 8-4. and four. It has no business playing for a Big Ten title, but they played in the crap conference in the Big Ten, so now they get to play for the Big Ten title. But all that, all that's about to go away because the news that came down today, the Rose Bowl signed off on changing the contracts and is willing to move things around. And because of that, that means that the college football playoff will expand to 12 teams beginning in 20, for the 2024 season. Nothing wrong with that, bro. I'm a fan, dude. I like the expanded playoff. And they're going to have it where the first round, so the first four teams would get a bye. So just using this year as an example, the four teams we just talked about would all have a bye. And then the next four teams are going to host a first-round playoff game on their campus. So you would be hosting in Columbus at the Shoe. It'd be Tulane. It wouldn't be exciting because they're the highest group of five qualifier. It'd be Tulane against Ohio State. But you'd have a home... I mean, I think that's really cool that they're going to have home playoff games for the next four teams in the standings. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's good because it cuts down on traveling, gives uh, people a chance to see the kids play as opposed to like the NCAA tournament where every round you're traveling out of town, basically. Yeah, and, and I mean, it gives season ticket holders an opportunity. You can charge a lot for that type of game. 
you know, you'd get an opportunity to see some things that you really would never see outside of that. Like Alabama, for instance, would be hosting Utah. Tennessee would host K-State and then Penn State would host Clemson. And the winners of those games would advance to the quarterfinals to take on, obviously, the four teams that got the bye. And then you get the semifinals and the final, of course, the way that we do it now. But I think it's a great model. It's if you win your conference, you qualify automatically for a playoff spot. It's the five highest ranked or excuse me, the six highest ranked conference champions. So basically, if you win your power five conference, you're in. And then if you are the highest ranked group of five conference champion, then you get into the playoff as well. So I like that because I think it helps to keep the importance of conference around. Because otherwise, like if you weren't going to do it that way, what's the point of anybody being in any conference? At least at the beginning of the year now, you know, when you're conference, you're going to the playoffs and you have a chance to win a national title. And that's something that it feels like college football has been lacking, even with the current playoff structure, because we've seen conference champions that haven't really had a chance. And we've seen teams that don't win their conference. But I kind of like starting out, you know, okay, win your conference and, and you're going to be in the playoff. Because winning your conference should matter and should mean something. Right, because like the ACC champ is not going to the playoff this year. Exactly. And, and you know, we, and I get it. We can sit here and say the SEC and the Big Ten are by far the two best conferences in football. That's true. But it's not like Clemson or North Carolina's fault that they play in that conference or what have you. And, and that should carry some weight. So I'm glad to see that. Also, the other news, we haven't seen this dude since Texas basically said thanks, but no thanks. He left, what was that, 2020 was his last year because Sark just finished two years at Texas. Tom Herman, today, as we record this on Thursday, Tom Herman has been named the new head football coach at Florida Atlantic. Yawn. Yawn indeed. That's where Lane Kiffin was before he went to Ole Miss. Willie Taggart, of course, took over. Did not go well for Willie Taggart. And now Tom Herman is back in the coaching game. Yeah, I mean, I think has, has anybody fell faster and harder than Tom Herman? He was the toast nope. of the college football world about six years ago, or maybe seven. Everybody's wanting him. Everybody's fighting for him. He finally goes to Texas. I think he's a great hire, and he just flopped. It's It was incredible because, remember, he went – had those back-to-back years that were really good down there at Houston, and then LSU wanted him and Texas wanted him. Like, he was the number one name on the coaching market that offseason going into the 2017 year. Takes over at Texas, and in year 10, or excuse me, year two, they finish with 10 wins. They win the Sugar Bowl. They're a top-10 team. Then he goes 8-5, and 7-3, and three, and they get rid of him. And Sark is trying to build it back up and get him ready for SEC play. It's fascinating. Yep, I mean, he's, I mean, you know. I hope he has some success, but, uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't make. He doesn't what? You disappeared. You're going in and out. Come back. Man, we almost made it to the end, and then Jacques disappears again. See, this, these are the equipment problems I tell you guys about that we are having, that we're trying to get some new stuff, trying to get some new sponsors or something to come in so that we can replace some of this equipment that we keep having problems with for whatever reason. And right now, we just don't have what it would take, but... Maybe somebody out there wants to help. And if that's you, you can email me, matt at jamsessionpodcast.com. I had a couple of you message me on Instagram, and, and we appreciate that, and we appreciate the support. But, you know, we, we don't, we've always wanted to keep this free. We don't want to charge on Patreon and, and do those types of things or, or, or charge you guys a fee to have you have to listen to us. So we try and figure it out. And now Jacques yeah. is back. So 
Nah, you know, it's just like, you know, dog, he down in Florida Atlantic. Maybe he can focus on football and, uh, you know, rebuild his reputation as an offensive guru and uh, and get it cracking and make it happen. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I I don't have any hate for Tom Herman. It's not like I thought he left Texas in a bad place. Like, whatever, you know, go win at Florida Atlantic. Kick ass. Good for you. So that, my friends, is our podcast for this version. We both have the Cowboys beating the Colts. We'll see if we're right. And we'll be back immediately after the Cowboys game, give you some post-game reaction on Sunday night, man. We'll be, we'll be staying up late into the evening on Sunday night football. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.